Hey, I'm Ken. I'm the pastor here at FBC Lantana. And whether you join us for church online live with us this morning or whether you watched on demand and watching this video later, I just want to say thank you for joining us and making us a part of your day. You know, and, and whether you're watching us live or on demand, I just want to say make sure this doesn't replace you being connected to a local church. You know, where you can work on your relationship with Jesus and with others. And I know you may not live in our area, so you can't make us your church as much as we would love it. Uh, make sure you get connected to a local church somewhere. And I hope this sermon is a blessing to you and that it encourages you and strengthens your walk with Jesus. How many people remember seeing their kids walk for the first time? Isn't that awesome? How about the first, the first word that they say? You know, and all these new beginnings that we have in life, when, when we get a new car, we get a new house, get a new baby or a new grandchild, get a new job. You know, new seems to be a really good thing. You know, we like new. And, and if you've been with us, that's what we've been talking about in this series, A New Beginning. We've been talking about new talking about this fresh start, talking about a new, new you. And I, as we start this new year, I think it's you know, fitting that we talk about new beginnings for us. You know, it's that chance as we start this new year, a chance for us to kind of reset or a chance for us to look back on last year and, and kind of say, you know, this quite didn't go as planned. This didn't go how I really wanted. And what can I do to hit a reset button to change this year to be new and better than last year? You know, so it is. It's all about that new beginning. It's all about that fresh start or, or hitting that reset button and move forward. You know, in the first week, we talked about a new heart. You know, we talked about the woman at the well. And if you remember, she experienced Jesus and when she experienced Jesus, she started to get this new heart. And it was a new heart that came because she was listening to Jesus. She prioritized Jesus in her life, and she had a connection with Jesus. And the same thing, that's what we should be looking for as we go into this new beginning, having that new heart, making sure that we are listening to what Jesus has to say. Make sure we're prioritizing him in our life and that we have that connection with him because that's ultimately what he wants for all of us. He wants us to have a heart that seeks him in everything that we do. You know, then last week we looked at the story of Joshua and we saw how the words God spoke to him. We, we saw those words and those words brought a purpose towards Joshua, the purpose for him to go into the promised land. It brought that promise that God would be with him and that he would actually be able to do what he called him to do. And he had that promise of God's presence. When he went, God would be with him. And isn't that what all of us want in our life? We, we want to know that we have a purpose from God. We want to know that we have promises that he will be there with us, that he will take care of us, and that he will be with us. Wherever we go, whatever we're doing in life, that God's presence will be with us. So, and we get that by spending time in his word. When we spend time in his word each and every day, it helps to transform us so that we can then have a new heart, that we can then have this new mind. 
And today I want to talk about a new focus. And as we look at a new focus in our life, that focus is to be on prayer. That, that focus of taking time to spend time with our Heavenly Father. You know, you think about it, when, when something doesn't go as planned, or something's not working, what do you normally do? Like if your car starts to make a ticking sound, or all of a sudden, you know, you, you, you're looking and, hey, you know what, my garbage disposal is just not working right. Or you start going and, hey, you know, I've got this growth on my arm and I don't want anyone to see it and I really don't want to go to a doctor. Well, what do we generally do? We Google it, right? Go ahead and say, how many people, I'm going to Google it and see what's wrong. And, and, and we do it. We, we go to Google for so many things in our life. And I'm a Google fan. You know, I will tell people all the time, hey, did you Google it? You know, and, and you go on Google or, or you ask Siri, hey, Siri, how do you do this? And it automatically brings you up all of these videos. So you can see, hey, I got this ticking sound in my car. Oh, this is what it may be. And it actually may show you how to fix it. Or it may show you how to fix your garbage disposal or whatever it may be. Uh, don't go to WebMD because everything will be cancer. But, but we tend we will go to Google, but Google can't fix everything in life. And unfortunately, it seems to be second nature that we'll just go to go out to the internet and type in, this is what I'm looking for, and in nanoseconds, we get that answer. You can read blogs, you can read stories, you can see social media posts, all these different things right at our fingertips. And I wonder how much time or money has been saved by doing that. Because you think about it, if you've ever went on the internet and you searched for something and got the answer, it probably saved you from having to go to a mechanic. It probably saved you from having to go to a doctor or anything like that. Then it probably saved time because you got the answer like that quick. And as, as much as I like to use it, there are things that it cannot fix. There's things in our life that it'll never fix. Google's never going to get you a job. It can tell you what jobs are out there, but it's not going to get you a job. Google's definitely not going to restore marriage. It ain't going to help you fix your marriage. If anything, some of the things you Google may be causing you to have marriage problems. It's definitely not going to help you in a financial pinch because you're not going to get any money from it. It may tell you how to make some money, but it's not going to help you at that specific time. And I don't think in the most desperate moments of our life that it's going to help. However, it's second nature for us to go to the Internet, whether it's Google or Yahoo or whatever it is, and search to find help. Now, what if we took that same second nature and went to God? Instead of going to Google to find out everything, why don't we go to God first? You know, go to God for everything that we need. Now, there are things that the internet will help you with, but God can help us with so much more. And a lot of times we'll go other places before we go to our creator first. And today we're going to be looking at prayer, and we're going to be looking at the story of the persistent widow. You know, and the story gives us a powerful illustration of God's desire um, to be the one who meets our needs. God wants to be the one who meets our needs. And I think it needs to become a reality that we always engage in prayer first. 
So if you have your Bibles, go to Luke chapter 18. We're going to be in verses 1 through 8. If you don't have a Bible with you, there is one in the back of the pew. And as a reminder, as always, it will be up on the screen. So with that being said, Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. Now he told them a parable on the need for them to pray always and never give up. There was a judge in a certain town who didn't fear God or respect people. And a widow in that town kept coming to him saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he was unwilling, but later he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God and, or respect people, yet because this widow keeps pestering me, I will give her justice so that she doesn't wear me out by her persistent coming. Then the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. Will not God grant justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay helping them? I tell you that he will swiftly grant them justice. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Heavenly Fathers, we dig into your word today. Lord, I just ask that you open up our hearts, Lord, that you fill us with your spirit and your discernment. And Lord, that we will seek you in everything we do and that your name will be glorified. As we make this prayer in Jesus' name, amen. So one of the things that we're going to see here is there's three different characteristics highlighted in this parable. And ultimately the goal, the goal for us is to refocus our attention on this powerful blessing given, us to the, given to us by God, and that's that power of prayer. And as we continue in this new year, that it will become part of our daily busy schedules. Because we all know we have busy schedules. And as we begin to dive in, basically the three different points here, you got two comparisons and one thing that we should do. And the first and third are comparisons. The second's one that we should always do. And as we get to it, I'll dig into them more and more. But the first thing that we see is prayer is powerful when we understand God. Prayer is powerful when we understand God. You know, in this parable, Jesus is describing his judge who didn't fear God. The judge didn't fear God. He didn't care about people at all. And these characteristics, I think, are very important. And this is the very first comparison we have. Because we're looking at this judge, who, this person who doesn't fear God, who doesn't care about people, but yet we know he's going to do the right thing. But yet when we look at prayer and we look at God, we know that God is the total opposite of that. God is the total opposite because, you know, God cares for his people. God is holy and I think what we see here is Jesus is using this exaggeration or this extreme scenario of this ungodly person who doesn't fear God, not afraid of people, is going to do whatever he wants for himself because of his own selfishness. And God is using him, or Jesus is using him in the parable as, look, this is a total opposite of what our Heavenly Father is. Total opposite of what our Heavenly Father is. But look at the, what he ends up doing. Even not, like, not fearing God, he still does the right thing. And, and so with this comparison, uh, I think we need to understand that, you know, when, when we bring our request to God, 
We need to really understand who God is. And I think sometimes in our life, we don't think of God as that father figure in our life. You know, some people are still very legalistic where they look at God as this all supreme power, you know, as a judge sitting up there. And yes, we will be judged, but by a loving father. As Christ followers, it will be a loving father, not an unjust uh, judge. It will be a good judge. And I think it's interesting, even in, in Exodus 34, 6, God says this about himself to Moses. He said, the Lord passed in front of him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord is a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in faithful love and truth. And I think it's under, un, when we understand God is that good father, I think it really affects our prayer life. When we see him as a good father, we see him as someone who is compassionate, someone who is merciful, someone that we truly understand and that we understand that that is the God of all creation. I think it affects the way we pray or what we'll ask in prayer. You know, we, we got to understand this, this is such a good father that he would send his only son to die for us. In Romans 5, 8, it actually says, but God proves his love for us that while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. So our heavenly father loved us that much that he sent his only son. And I think that when we think God isn't good or we think he's less good than what he is, I think it reflects what we ask him. If we don't truly believe that he is the creator of the heaven and the earth and that he is kind and compassionate to us, we're probably not going to ask him big things. And I think sometimes we forget about that, or we'll think something is so small and minute that, you know, I don't want to bother God with this. He's our heavenly father, and he wants to hear everything. And understand, he already knows it, but he still wants to hear it. He wants to hear us ask him because we're, we're called to seek him in everything we do. And I think we, you know, even Jesus referred to this in Matthew 7 when he said this, who among you, if your son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks you for a fish, will give him a snake? If then who, who are evil know how to give good gifts to their children, how much more your father in heaven give good, gift, uh, give good things to those who ask of him? And I think what Jesus is saying here is that understanding God's goodness is connected to our willingness to ask him for what we need. Let me say that again. Understanding God's goodness is connected to our willingness to ask for what we need. And think of it like this. Could it be that often we don't go to our Heavenly Father for our need because maybe you have that diminished view of him? Maybe you think, hey, you know, I've been doing things in my life that are sinful or this or that, so you won't go to your heavenly father. It says he will give us what is good. He will give us the good things in our life. He will give good gifts to those who ask him. Now, I do want you to understand, it doesn't mean he's a vending machine. And don't take it that... Well, the pastor said, if I go to God, he'll answer my prayer. If you notice, I always said need. Now, yes, God will give us wants because he will give us good things when it's within his will.
but he's not a vending machine and he's going to provide us with what we need in life. He's going to provide us with our needs and understand his answer may not be the answer that we want because sometimes we can be like that judge and be selfish and understand, you know, as I look back on my life, there's prayers that I prayed that I'm glad God didn't answer the way that I wanted them answered. I am very glad he didn't answer the way I wanted. The way he did answer turned out to be a whole lot better than my way. And, and that's the thing we need to look at is when we come to him in prayer, knowing he's a good father, being persistent, you know, and coming to him with our needs. And yes, you can come to him with wants, but understand his answer may not be the answer you want. His answer may not be immediate. It could take years for him to answer your prayer. But we need to go to him knowing that he is a loving and faithful God, that he has compassion and mercy on us and still bring our request to him. So the first is prayer is powerful when we understand God. The second is prayer is powerful when we understand persistence. And this, of course, like I said, the first was a comparison between an unjust judge and a, a just judge. Now, this one is about persistence. This is what needs to be repeated. And this is what we should do is repeat it. You know, And really, this is the whole point of the parable. The whole point of this parable is persistence. You know, The widow's not going to let her request go. She's not going to give up on it. She's going to continue to come after this judge over and over and over again. And because she wants the injustice done to her made right. That's what she's looking for. And understand, it's not about the strength of her case. It has nothing to do with the strength of her case. It has to do with her consistency in her inquiries. It's her consistency that she keeps coming with. She keeps coming over and over and over again to this unjust judge. You ever met someone like that? You ever met someone who's just very persistent? Maybe like a salesman? We had a salesman come to our door trying to sell us uh, um, solar panels for our roof. And Patty kept telling him no, no, no. And he was just persistent to the point that she came inside and said, hey, can you go talk to this guy? Because he wouldn't leave. So then I went outside and I kind of gave him some of the backstory on, um, you know, solar panels. And he ended up leaving himself. Oh, okay, thank you. Have a nice day. You have a nice day too. But have you ever had a salesperson and, you know, you think about it, you can say no to them, but they still stay persistent. Now, of course, a salesperson, you know, if you're inside a car dealership, you can always just walk away. But see, this judge couldn't walk away from the widow. He was stuck in the court. He couldn't get away from her, and she was persistently coming to him over and over and over again, and she wasn't going to give up. And again, it pulls to this, back to the idea of the first one that, you know, here, this is an unjust judge compared to looking at God who is just. You know, we know that God is good. We know that he loves his people. But by her persistence, this woman was able to make a bad judge change his mind. And remember what the Bible said at the very beginning. Verse 1 said, now he told them a parable on the need for them to pray always and never give up. You know, it's very possible that God won't answer your prayer the first time. May not answer it the second time. He may not answer 
that quick text message prayer, 140 characters or less. This is persistent prayer. This is in the morning, at night. It's constantly coming before our God with prayer. And too many times we'll pray for a couple days and then we stop. Well, I guess God's not hearing me. Or God will answer the prayer and will continue to persist with the prayer even though God already answered it because it wasn't the answer that we wanted. So we'll continue to persist thinking that God's going to change his mind or that God's going to change the answer that he's already given us. We need to continue to move forward. And remember, like it said in verse 6, Then the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. Will not God grant justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay helping them? I tell you that he will swiftly grant them justice. We've got to continue to go to our God. He will supply for our needs. He will give us some of our wants. But it's not that 30-second once-and-done prayer. Yes, he may answer that 30-second once-and-done prayer. I've seen it, and probably everyone in here has seen it before. When you're in a situation, God, please help me, and bam, it's right there, it's done. But then how many of us have been praying for years and still haven't gotten an answer? Or maybe we've been praying for years and we got an answer, but we don't like the answer, so we're continuing to pray. Been there, done that. It's about being obedient to what God calls us to do. Be persistent in your prayer. Continually go to him and seek his answer. Seek what he's got. Never give up. Never give up. Go to him in the morning, in the evening. And it's over and over again telling God that need that need that you have in your life. And this is what Jesus is teaching us here. This is exactly what Jesus is teaching us here. And I think it's something that we could take into this new year. And I think it could make a big difference in our year as we continue to move forward. Think about this. If right now God answered half Half of all your prayers right now, for all of your needs, you know, any need you have in your life, God answered it right now and it was done. How radically would that change your life? For most of us, it'd probably be pretty radical, right? All of a sudden, it'd be like, man, I ain't got no bills. I got a new job. I got this. I got this. You know, our job would radically be changed. COVID would be gone probably because we'd be praying, God, take this away. And it's something that needs to happen. So imagine how radically your life would change if God did half of them right now. Of course, we want all of our prayers answered. So here again, prayer is powerful when we understand persistence. Being persistent, going to God in the morning, at night, constantly going before our our good and just Father. Going to him with our prayers, with our needs, and he will be faithful to answer them. Now, the last thing we got is prayer is powerful when we understand our position. Now, you might have caught it when we read this interpretation of the parable, but but there's really an important comparison in this parable. You know, and, and I think it's very similar to where we focus. 
And in the end of this parable, it's, our focus becomes on us. It becomes about us. Look at verses 7 and the beginning of verse 8 again. It says, Will not God grant justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay helping them? I tell you that he will swiftly grant them justice. His elect. His elect. Here God's referring to our position. He's referring to our position, our relationship with him. As his elect, as his followers, we are his elect. And it says he will answer us. And I think this comparison is all about our position as God's children. And our position as God's children is we're royalty, right? We're a royal priesthood. We're the children of a king. So that would make us royalty, which is a polar opposite to a widow. We are children of the king, and we're being in this, they're talking about a widow, so it's this extreme comparison. And, and, and think about this. Being a widow or a single mom in today's age is tough. It's tough today. Imagine what it was like back in biblical times for someone to be a widow or someone to be an orphan. When there wasn't programs out there to help and there wasn't all these different things to help. But yet we're God's elect. We're God's children. You know, the, the most purest religion we could have is to help orphans and widows. And that's what James tells us. But understand the parable isn't about how to treat widows. It is about us. It is about our position and it's about how Jesus shows someone who is powerless, but yet gets justice. And we as children of God, as his elect, if we continually persist and go to him in prayer, our prayers will get answered in his timing. So don't sit here and think, well, pastor said, well, if I pray, I'm going to get it because he's not a vending machine. And it's got to be within his will. And remember, it's about a need, not necessarily a want. Because there's a lot of things we may want in life that we, we're never going to see. But the question I would ask is, how do you view yourself with God? Do you view yourself as a child of a king? Or do you view yourself as someone that God probably doesn't think of often? Or someone who doesn't think of your heavenly father often? Because how you think of yourself in this situation is definitely going to change how you pray. Because if you think of yourself as the father of the king, you're going to be bold. You're going to be bold with your prayers. You're going to be bold with what you bring to him. But if you see yourself as just someone else in this world, are you really going to be bold going to him? Probably not. So it's all about our position and understand our position. Hebrews 4.16 says this, Therefore let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in a time of need. Approach the throne of grace with boldness. When's the last time you approached the throne of grace with boldness? Coming to your heavenly Father, a just judge, 
knowing that you're his child, knowing that he wants to fulfill your needs, knowing that he wants to be there for you, he's going to walk with you, he's going to be beside you with everything in your life. But do we really walk like that each and every day? Or do we get life, let life get in our way? Do we let the busyness of life get in our way? Do we let our wants get in the way? Well, I want this. Or do we move forward with boldness and say, God, you've got a plan and I want to be a part of it. I may not understand it. I may not see the end of it. But God, I know you've got a plan. And I know your plan is so much better than mine. Understand who you are and who you're talking with. We're invited by our Savior to pray about everything. Everything. Philippians 4, 6, don't worry about anything but in everything through prayer and petition, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, bring your request to God. We're told to pray about everything. And some of us only pray about big things because we think little things don't matter. Pray about everything. Literally, there's no prayer too small. There's no prayer too big for God. If you think there's a prayer too small or a prayer too big, maybe it's your perception of who God is. Because there's nothing too little for him. Look at the grass. Look at the birds. He cares about the smallest things. And we're his children. We are his elect. We can boldly go to his throne and ask him for anything. Be persistent in your prayers. And that's one thing we've learned today. Understand that God is good. Understand that God is good, that he's gracious, and he wants us to, he wants us to come to him with our prayers. He already knows it. He already knows the outcome, but he still wants us to come with, to him. Come to him with your prayers. Be persistent. Don't give up if, you know, the first few times of asking. Well, I asked and he didn't give it, so let me move on. Keep asking. Be persistent. Keep going to your heavenly father. Keep going to him with your, with your needs. Understand you do come from a place of authority. You hold a position of royalty. You're the child of a king. The child of a king. You're a child of God if you know Jesus. And let that fuel your prayer life. Let those things fuel your prayer life as you go through this week and as you go through this next year. Because remember, the goal is to refocus our attention on this blessing given to us by God. That blessing is to be able to come to him in prayer. That we can come to our heavenly father who is just. That we can be persistent asking him for prayer and that we can come to him because he is our king. He is our father and he is a good father. And we need to continue this new year and don't let life get in the way. Continue with prayer daily. Don't let life just get in the way. Don't let your busy schedules get in your way. Hey, if your schedule is that busy, put time on your schedule for prayer. If you're going to put time on your schedule to read his word, Put time on your schedule to pray. And I had to encourage you, start taking five minutes a day. Say, I'm going to start praying for five minutes a day. 
Now, I will tell you when you say I'm going to pray for five minutes a day, you're going to get down, you're going to start praying, you're going to look at your watch and be like, man, that's only been a minute. I still got four minutes to go. I tell you, if you're going to start praying five minutes a day, make a prayer list. Make a list of what you're praying about. Make that prayer list. And then on top of it, I would encourage you to journal. You know, because if you're writing it down, and it may be weeks or months or years before you get, but once you get that prayer answered, you're going to be able to go back and see how God moved. And down the road, you may look back and go, wow, I'm glad God didn't answer this prayer. Man, I'm glad God answered this prayer in a different way. But start by moving forward. Take that time each and every day to pray. You're a child of God, and if you know Jesus, let it fuel your prayer. Let it fuel that prayer life. As it says in 1 Peter 3.12, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. And then it goes on to say, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. We have a position with God. So as we look at a new focus this year and we look at this focus of prayer, I encourage you to remind, remember that prayer is powerful when we understand who God is. Prayer is powerful when we understand persistence. And prayer is powerful when you understand your position. And your position comes by your relationship with Jesus. You can be considered a child of God and be part of that royalty with God and approach his throne boldly if you've accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. So if you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'd encourage you today, take that step. And if you're waiting on this, hey, it's a new year, it's a new time, and, and I'm waiting to get my life together. You're going to be waiting a long time to get your life together. The Bible says, for we're all sinners and we all fall short of the glory of God. And God showed his love for us that even while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's that beginning. That's that beginning of being that new child, being part of his elect, being able to approach his throne boldly as his child. And the next thing is, you know, coming to God, making sure you keep that relationship. Because it's one thing to accept him, it's another thing to walk with him. Because accepting him is part of, part of it. But then boldly walking with him each and every day. Knowing who he is and who you are to him. It's not about a checklist. It's about starting this life and getting that new heart. Listening to his voice. Prioritizing him in your life. Connecting with him. Spend that time in his word. Spend that time in his word so you know the purpose for your life. And spend that time so you know that his presence will be with you.
and that he's there for you always. And spend time talking to him. Spend time in prayer each and every day. Yes, you can send him a text message prayer and be done. But doesn't it feel so much better when you kneel at an altar? When you kneel wherever you're at in your house? When you get that quiet time? And you know he's listening because you're his child. You know he's listening because he's you, you are one of his elect. Listen for his voice. Take time in his presence. And remember, he's always going to answer yes, no, or not now, or maybe. But when he gives you an answer, be bold and thank you, Lord. The answer may not always be what you wanted. But remember, it's about him and his glory, not us and our glory. It's about who he is and what he calls us to do. So I'd encourage you, if you've never accepted Jesus during this final time, I'm going to have some prayer partners up here if I can get Ms. Valerie, Maureen, Scott to come up front. We'll have some prayer partners up here. You can come up here and pray with them. You can ask them for prayer so they'll pray with you or for you during this time. If you've never accepted Jesus, they'll be more than happy to walk you through a prayer of salvation and welcome you to our messed up family. Because we're messed up. We're all sinners. Every single one of us, me included. And every single one of us falls short each and every day. And maybe you're not taking that time to be persistent in your prayer or, or you're not understanding who God really is in your life. Or you don't see him for who he should be in your life. Maybe your faith has grown dull and you just need to come up and ask one of these brothers and sisters, hey, pray for me. Pray for my faith that I'll know God like the day I accepted him as my Lord and Savior. And you can pray with them or you can pray at the altar. You can pray right where you're at. And if you can't make it up here, raise your hand and one of them will be more than happy to come and pray with you where you're at. Let's be warriors of prayer. Heavenly Father, I raise up this congregation to you. Lord, that we will be persistent in our prayers knowing who you are. Knowing that you're a good and faithful and loving Father. Lord, that we will come to your throne boldly and be persistent in our prayers for the needs in our life. Lord, that we will be obedient to your call and do what you call us to do, even when we don't agree with it. Because, Lord, sometimes our prayers are answered with what the answer that we don't want. But may we still be obedient to you because it is about you and not us. And Lord, may we always understand our position, that we are your children, that we are your elect. So Lord, I ask you to continue to move us through this week. Continue that we seek you and what your word calls us to do. That we will go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lord, that we will tell people about you and be salt and light in this world. 
And people will come to know us for our love more than anything else. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for joining us here today at FBC Lantana for Church Online. And, and, and if, if you enjoyed what you saw today, I'd just like to ask you to go ahead, go to our website and, and help support this ministry as we try and outreach and reach the lost for Jesus Christ. And you can just go to our website, fbclantana.com slash give. Um, and you can make an online donation right there. Again, I encourage you to get connected to a local church. And especially if during this message you felt compelled to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, definitely go tell somebody. Let someone know because that is the greatest decision you could ever make in your life. And, and from there, get connected to a local church. Hey, we would love to provide you with some resources with that. You can go to our website, fbclantana.com. And on the very front page, you say, give my life to Jesus. Click on there, and at the bottom of there, there's some links and some good information for you. And just wanted to say, welcome to the family.